I'm Simon. And I'm Dan. And this is the Wikicast, a podcast where Wikipedia takes us to a random article each week and we talk about what we find. Dan, what are we talking about this week? This week, Simon, we're talking about women's liberation movement in Europe. Oh my god. Quite a large article. I've already... It took me... My wrist is sore because I've had to scroll right the way down to the bottom of this Wikipedia article and it is just... (laughs) It's a colossus. How big um, is the page? Well, I got RSI from streaming through it. So, yeah, uh, it's it's got a, it's got sixteen points on its uh, on its contents page, broken down by country, and it's one of those ones that towards the right of the of the page, it's got a part of a series on feminism. Um, so wow. there's there's plenty to there's plenty there's to discuss. A, a lot to unpack in the episode where we haven't done an episode since for about a month actually. Yeah, we had about a month off, and it's now been we're crazy. Like, we're trying to catch up with, uh, you know, a nice light topic and, mm. oh boy, to get it over and done with before um, the rest of the episode. Why, what have you been doing? Why Why have we not done an episode for a while? Oh, well, it's been very busy. I, I had, the last time we spoke, I would have been speaking about exams and things. Yes. Um, which, which, which all went very well, actually. I was quite pleased to see. Yay! Um, so I'm allowed to progress into my third year, which is always, uh, always lovely. Um, I've been sorting out things with the house in preparation for the new housemate to move in. New housemate has moved in. It's all been a, um, a rip-roaring success so far. Uh, and uh, and just, you know, getting the house in order. Things I'll talk about uh, talk about later, later on in the podcast. But but needless to say, there's been plenty going on. What about you? Oh, yeah, uh, plenty going on. Um, I think the last time, yeah, we spoke would have been... Um, I Oh, yeah, because we recorded the previous, the last episode in advance... Because we did. We did. I, I, I was going to be in a field, um, and that mm. was because, so. I did a. I had an incredibly stressful week, an unbelievably mm. stressful week, um, finishing off the corrections to my PhD thesis, which is now Ooh. done and submitted. I've yet to hear back from them, uh, but it'd be unusual for them to have to, you know, me to make any subsequent changes. So hopefully yeah. that is now done. I was then in a field for a week with a bunch of scouts, um, which was great fun. Hopefully we'll end up talking about that, mm. um, and then after that. I uh, was in France for two weeks with a bunch of friends. Um, Goodness, which was an ideal holiday of a lot of a lot of drinking, a few cultural things, a lot of reading in the sun, and playing Dungeons and Dragons and poker. Um, Brilliant! It was amazing. Uh, and uh, now, um, and I've come back, and Pixel Girl has started up um, her. She's teaching now, so like we've now got into this routine with like an adult routine, and it's all it's all terribly exciting. Wow! And it involves getting up at six thirty every morning, but you know what a what a joy. I definitely, just as a brief aside, I definitely didn't get up at six thirty this morning. The reason why I will discuss Ooh, later. Is it? But it's, it's it's very exciting. Is it a very cheeky reason? It's it's quite cheeky. Oh, it is oh. rather. Mm, yes. Right. Uh, and on the, on that note, let's talk about feminism in Europe. Brilliant, yeah. So, for those who might not know about the women's liberation movement in Europe, the women's liberation movement in Europe was a radical feminist movement that started in the late 1960s and continued through to the 1970s, and in some cases into the early 1980s. Inspired by developments in North America and triggered by growing presence of uh, women in the labour market, the movement soon gained momentum in Britain and Scandinavian countries. Wow. In addition to improvements for working conditions and equal pay, uh, liberationists fought for complete autonomy for women's bodies, including their right to make their own decisions regarding contraception and abortion, and more independence on sexuality. So this is uh, a very broad sort of... Yeah, incredibly broad. Um, The the, the, the kind of the first blurb, if you like, or a few paragraphs gives kind of a vague 
kind of explanation as to I think basically kind of rudimentary feminism. And then it goes. Men and women, are, women, men and women should be treated equally. Yeah. Moving um, on. Yeah. There you go. Um, and then it breaks down the movement for this particular period um, for Austria, Belgium, France, Germany, Greece, Ireland, Italy, the Netherlands, Portugal, Scandinavia, including Denmark, Iceland, Norway, and Sweden, Spain, Switzerland, the UK, and everything it entails. Um, and then there's some notes and references at the end. But so it's the- very big. I think this is the largest Wikipedia article we've ever had. So feminism comes what well, well, occurred in like waves, didn't it? So is this mm. the it was the second wave feminism? This is where I expose my complete and shocking lack of knowledge because in my head, first wave feminism is like the rudimentary we should be treated as human beings and get votes and mm. you know that kind of thing. Whereas this seems to be like in my head, this is the second wave stuff of sort of equality in the workplace and that that kind of feminism. Is that right? Kind of, yeah. I think from my understanding of it, and I've I've only very, only ever briefly kind of touched on feminism through English modules and things. Um, there's there's kind of the second wave mid mid twentieth century go can go right the way up to the beginning of the seventies, um, and right. through until you know late seventies early eighties, and then the third wave that you're saying goes through proper late twentieth century and early twenty first. Um, yeah. So I think it's a it's there's there's not so much a clear divide as uh, uh, maybe just kind of a third wave is more abundant, let's say. So um, it's a bit It's a bit like when people talk about the Stone Age, Bronze Age and Iron Age. They occurred yeah. in different places at different times. And, yeah. you know, the length of those ages isn't the same everywhere. Absolutely. So for the purposes of this, given that it says late 1960s and some case into the ni- early 1980s, I would say that that's probably second wave. Um, okay. Because third wave would be that would be that bit later, like eighty five onward through into the early twenty first. So um, everyone, strap in for uh, half an hour of two white dudes talking about feminism. Yeah, uh, don't worry, we're going to man, go well. we're going to mansplain it though, so it's be fine if you don't understand. Don't worry, ladies, we'll explain this to you. Uh, yeah. I re- I realise this is this is a lot for your dainty feminine heads. Don't worry, the men are here. God, I felt awful saying that. Yeah, I feel physically I mean, disgusted at myself. It's just this. I I this article is just huge and even just the the individual breakdown for discussion of about about uh, the women's liberation movement in England specifically which was which is within the category of the UK it's 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 8 9 10 11 paragraphs long what do you think the longest wikipedia article that you've ever used is oh probably something like the portal for the romantic period or, or actually no philosophy because i had a yeah, great philosophy that's, exam- that's yeah. just just insanely big um even even the early stuff it's yeah it just goes on goes on forever and a day very interesting so, but um I'm, just comically I'm, long articles i'm wondering i'm gonna go on the uh wikipedia article for climate change mm. so this is so to put this in perspective dear reader um, the the article on climate change, which is obviously going to be one of the most controversial, heavily edited, carefully cited articles on Wikipedia. Is it an error 404? Uh, no, fortunately not. Um, Good. It's, it's got 10 subsections. That's crazy. Uh, and approximately a quarter of its runtime, if you like, is footnotes and references. So, Please. And how many sections did you say this was? Um, this is... 
16, but that's not including like 10 has four subsections, 13 has four, and 16 has two for citations and bibliography. So if Jeez. I was, yeah, if, if, if you were to print out this entire Wikipedia page uh, on A4 pieces of paper, I imagine you'd probably have... Oh, hang on. I bet you could do that. If you go Control or Command P, mm. it will... Um, I bet you it will say as well. So, what right, if I do? wanted to print out the the climate change Wikipedia article, it would be 23 sheets of paper. Okay, this would be 38. Oh, my God. Yeah. Jeez, that's a thesis chapter. Oh, it's just mad. Okay, so we've prevaricated a lot. We what, have. So g- g- give me some deets. Tell me what happened. Okay. Um... Well, it's saying towards the end of this section, uh, because this is specific to Europe, it says there were robust there were robust liberationist movements in almost all of Western Europe uh, countries, though Greece, Portugal, and Spain were late to form movements as they emerged from dictatorship in the era. Yeah, fe- feminism in um, in Spain is like a sort of an interesting thing in itself. I now mm. know from Pixel Girl because of Franco, basically. Uh, yes, yeah, sorry, as you were. By the middle of the 1970s or early 1980s, as, comp- uh, as compromises were made by liberal reformers and governments on major target issues, most liberationist groups had disbanded or gone to work on single focus issues. Bringing issues to the public, which up to the time had been considered private matters, such as division of household labour, lesbianism, objectification of women and sexual violence, was controversial and met with backlash from the media and public who labelled liberationists as man-haters. And this is, you know... That I, I suppose that was then going to herald the third wave of um, of feminism. Yeah, so this is the kind of feminism that people like, sort of sixty-year-old dudes who are in government tend mm. to like. This this is the kind of feminism that people, when they think of feminism, have a problem with. Yeah, and they're like, oh, you're you know, yeah, the idea of you know being man haters because you want to. So, what can you give me an example that it was equality in the workplace, lack of sexual harassment, that kind of thing? Mm. Um, God, how dare people ask for that? You know, I know it's just <laughs> they must mad, hate men. If you if you, if you don't want to be sexually harassed in the workplace, then that's not a world I want to live in. You know, mm. oh, it's just it's one of these articles actually that it's it's really hard to try and give some idea of the scope because it is just insanely long yeah it's just I mean, that there's just so much interestingly the sea also links um there's women's liberation movement in asia north america and oceana i imagine it would be interesting to do an intercomparison of you know sort of waves of feminism in different continents mm. because my gut feeling would be that in i mean china for example i don't know how how developed if you like quote unquote like feminism is compared to the west because of how repressive the government is in mm. kind of every aspect of people's lives um i don't know if i've just massively offended a huge portion of our audience well i've just so here you go here's a here's a brief interlude women's status in china during the 20th century were tied closely to the communist revolution there and women's social status rose quickly initially chinese people believed that the communist revolution would end patriarchy during the Cultural Revolution, women were celebrated through slogans like "Woman hold up half the sky, while simultaneously they were discouraged from discussing gender issues, which was seen as reactionary. In the 1970s, new institutions that benefited and were staffed by women were created, including cafeterias, kindergartens and nurseries. Women's rights were managed by the state itself. Wow. But there was no independent feminist movement during the period. Okay. So that, that's sort of, yeah, that was my, was my gut feeling about yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah, this is this is an issue where... 
I feel like certainly I I can't speak for you but I feel like I'm woefully underread and yeah. sort of w- walking on tiptoes because it's like uh, you can you can sort of engage with the subject in the best possible way but you will almost certainly say something that is dumb and you haven't thought through enough um it's, it's very, very hesitant to say anything now, it's, yeah. which is a problem when you're doing a podcast, an inherently audio-based platform. It's, yeah, well, this would be a prime opportunity to actually maybe ask ask the readers, our dear readers, um, feminist literature, email in with some, some recommendations. One of my course texts was Vindication of the Rights of Women by um, Wollstonecraft. Okay, I know, see, I know Pixel Girl uh, did a, a bit of feminism stuff, and specifically it was in... Um, uh, it was in Spain. I think she may have done a module on it in France as well. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it, it's just something that I, yeah. Give us your recommendations. I would be very mm. very curious. I've actually been reading quite a lot, as I mentioned on the holiday. I was I was reading a lot. Um, and you know, it'd be good to populate my to to read list further. You know, with mm. uh, with with feminism stuff. I mean, because recently I read um uh, the book that actually made a massive impact on me was. Of all things, when talking about feminism, um, Arnold Schwarzenegger's autobiography. It's meant to be quite good, isn't it? It is. And I, I found it immensely, um, uh, well, not powerful, but like, you know, inspirational. Because, yeah, he's not he's not a person that I would want to be in every aspect of his life because he fathered an illegitimate son with his cleaner um, and, you know, smokes massive cigars and there's, there's, there's things he does and I'm... He's not perfect. He's not perfect. There will be things that will come out after he dies, I'm sure, to do with sexual harassment. You can just sort of tell. Mm. Um, but in many ways, he is very inspirational. You know, in terms of... He was a kid from a village in the middle of nowhere in Austria who who kind of grew up and he's describing his childhood and it really is the bare bones. Mm. He then went on to be unbelievably strong in Austria and moved to Germany and then became this bodybuilding sensation and just worked harder than everyone else, like lifting four or five hours a day, six days a week. Um, and then moving to America and on top of that, then taking college courses, teaching himself how to run a business, investing in real estate, learning English. Um, before he even did the Terminator, he'd made a million from... Um, real estate because mm. yeah by the way after being the most successful bodybuilder of all time he then became an, a phenomenon in the acting world and mm. you know the, the sort of the epitome of the 80s action star and yep. then after that he went on to become the governor of california mm. like i feel like that's the that's the kind of um uh, like kind of autobiography where you know that you're going to learn something because if you're going to achieve that, they've got to have their head screwed on right. Yes, and, it, yeah. and, it, and it's different from someone achieving that and coming from a rich background. Um, like, well, it kind of it, it epitomizes the the almost stereotypical idea of of the American dream. People yeah, can go to America, and if you're willing to put the work in, you can you know make your million and 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 go go and do stuff. I mean, obviously, that I feel like. That's probably changed from the yeah, just a bit. from the sixties and seventies, but but yeah, yeah, you know, and it is different if you see somebody accomplish that. From I mean, I have a bit of a chip on my shoulder about it, I guess, um, because of going to Oxford and having to deal with access admissions, sort of for all the time I've been on the internet. But I do perceive people differently if they've achieved lots and lots of success, and then they're like, oh, they had rich parents, they've mm. they had a leg a massive leg up in this world. Whereas to come from nothing like Arnold did shows. You know, basically, the, the lesson that he wanted to get across in the book was so much of life just comes down to reps, like mm. re- endless repetitions. And I, I, said, I remember I said this to my mum, and she, she actually said, as a musician, you know, you should know this. And she was exactly right. You know, you just drill a piece 
so many times until you you can't get it wrong hmm. um you know in if you've got a speech you drill it so many times if you want to if, if in arnold's case if he was doing a stunt or a line in a movie he would just do repetitions until he couldn't get it wrong and it's just putting the effort in. it's getting up early working really hard and then you know getting out there yeah um so what I'm asking for is, could someone recommend the feminist version of that book that's going to fire me up yeah. and uh, make me want to get massive and swole and respect women uh, even more than I do already? Because obviously, you know, I, I, I feel like I, I'm a feminist ally and respect women because I'm not an awful human person. Yeah. Answers but- on a postcard or if it's easier, spongyelectric at gmail.com. Yes, yeah. Um, do do get in touch about mm. whether or not I'm a terrible person. <laughs> um, I know, was we just do... well, just just on the on the note of you finishing uh, books, I've now been able to have a bit of time just to kind of read read stuff for me rather than reading yeah, texts. I finally so long, finally yeah. finished um, Name of the Wind, the Patrick Rothfuss. Uh, now, first what did you trilogy. think? Because I'm very tempted to read it. It's excellent. Truly okay. brilliant. I, I I finished it and I immediately put the book down, put my shoes on, walked to Waterstones and bought the second book. Oh wow! Um, that is as basically as strong a recommendation yeah, as you can I, get. It's incredibly, incredibly well written. Not only in, in his, he's got such such a kind of a developed sense of identity in his in his style of writing. That's a real joy to read. But the actual the way that the book is, with the way that the story is told, and how this how the novel is structured. Um, almost kind of meta ways in a sense because your chapter names will might be called chapter three aside and then you'll get chapter seven aside and those asides are your your main character stopping a moment from telling the story that you've been reading and he's in a pub who he's telling this to somebody else he's in like a tavern if you like and mm. it'll say i br- i paused briefly and poured myself another flagon of ale and walked over to the fire and 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 wondered about you know this and but even they have subtle references being like oh i was recalling this time uh, as i as i looked into the flickering flames and and little did i know that my you know how much shit i'd be in in about a week's time and then the next chapter is that story of it's just brilliant it really is so very, it's, very it's quite a, a cinematic technique then it really is yeah it really it's is sort of because I love those kind of things. It's something that are the the best people that write for the Black Library, the the, the Warhammer stuff. Um, mm. That the, the, that's something that the best ones of them do very well. Is you feel like you're watching a movie, yeah. But then you can do stuff in the book that you just wouldn't be able to do in a movie. Yeah, um, I think also the way that they treat uh, essentially magic, which which is referred to as sympathy in this, um, yeah. is it's entirely based on like science and logic, and you creating like. Um, uh, connections with certain things and you can only like if you're trying to manipulate something it you always need energy and you can't just create energy from anywhere so you need you might need to draw on the flame from a candle but only that's only ah. going to have relative strength or what you can do is you can get um uh if, if you're in kind of dire straits and you need to do something immediately you can draw on the heat in your own blood as a source of energy and and, and to, to kind of manipulate. Obviously, you're, you're only very limited because you're not particularly warm compared to, say, like a roaring fire. But mm-hmm. you'll get these things where you'll see that something going on and somebody can get what's called binders chills, where they start, they go very pale and start sweating and shivering because they're drawing the heat out of their own body to, you know, to fix a, God knows, um, to power a lamp or, yeah, it's really clever. It really so is quite, very, very good. That, that's um, an idea that's in Aragon, as well. I don't know if you've ever read Aragon. I have, actually, yeah. What did you think of it? 
see, I'm trying to remember what I did because I would have, I would have read it years and years ago. I would, I could, maybe in year six or seven. Because I think um, at that age, you probably thought it was quite good. Yeah. I made the mistake of reading it when I was a bit older and I was just like, after the second book, I started the third one. And we won't talk about the film. Uh, oh God, no. Um, incidentally, of films we won't talk about, um, for some disgusting reason, the BBC have been, uh, well, it's quite a nice idea. They've been showing all the classic Indiana Jones films. On, uh, you mean on, all three of them? Yeah, and they've yeah, and they've done. They're all on iPlayer, and then I went on to iPlayer today to see if there was anything interesting on. Spotlight is on there, which is very fine. I think it's also on oh. Netflix. But um, Kingdom of the f-ing Crystal Skull, they've put on there as well. Doesn't exist. Which doesn't does not exist. Uh, it's just. So I'm very very disappointed. So basically, yeah, I got I got to the third book in in the the series Brissinger, and I was like. Oh, I can't be bothered. This is such hard work to get through. How amateur this is, mm. but like, but yeah, the, the 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 idea with that that you can draw life energy from people, yeah. Um, and like, I remember there's the, the when he learns how to meditate and do it, and like he accidentally kills a mouse uh, mm. because he takes their energy, and he's like, "You didn't tell me that was going to happen," um, which just kind of stuck with me. But, but so, so whilst we've been talking, um, one thing we did on holiday uh, mm. was we ended up doing quizzes a lot. Like right. I wrote a bunch of, well, I wrote a movie quiz and um, we also did a quiz of quizzes where everybody on the holiday wrote around each and I did one on books and I, I messed up one of the questions I now realize because I, I asked the question, what was the highest rated book on Goodreads? And I actually gave an answer, which I think I must have looked at the wrong list because I'm now looking at the top ones because I was curious right. to see if the name of the wind was because on the list I had name of the wind was number two. I just wanted to, I was trying to bring it up to, to refresh my memory, but it turns mm. out I actually just looked at the wrong list. But do you want to have a guess at what like the top books? Th- these are the best books ever with something like 170,000 votes on this poll um, are on Goodreads. God. Okay. Um. Well, I would imagine there's going to be the classics. So, um, I say Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone be on there somewhere. Interestingly, uh, it, it, I presumably it is on this list somewhere. Um, the top-rated Harry Potter is in at number two, which is Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. It is very, very fine. What about um, uh, To Kill a Mockingbird? To Kill a Mockingbird is in at number three. You're very good at this. Um. I never would have guessed number one. I, d- I like it was not a book I would have ever conceived of putting at number one. Now I reckon there's going to be we've we've spoken about this one before because I remember in class they used to say that it was being absurd. Um, is it? Oh, I forget who who wrote it. Um, the book thief, the one that I I I remember ripping it to shreds because I found it really really slow. Thank um, you. Yeah. Everyone raved about yeah, that book. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I can. I remember one of the first we, we, we've spoken about it, and we we were both just like, I don't see the hype. I really don't. Like at the end, it's quite emotional. It hits you quite hard at the end. But like, my God, you have to get through so much of just like I'm yeah. not engaged with these characters. Anyway, um, that is at number six. Okay. So if I go through, I'll go for number. Uh, let's go for the top twenty because uh, just quickly, uh, number t- this, this gives you an idea of what's to come. At uh, number twenty is Divergent, the first oh, of the for, Divergent series. For God's sake! Uh, only narrowly pipping that is Les Mis. Uh, Les Mis is nineteen. Yeah, I thought it'd be higher up. And it has six hundred nine thousand votes, which is nearly as many pages as there are in Les Mis. Mm. Um, then at number eighteen is Picture of Dorian Gray. At seventeen is Alice's Adventures Through the Looking Glass. Sixteen mm-hmm. is Memoirs of a Geisha. Mm-hmm. Fifteen is The Da Vinci Code. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Um, 
14 is Wuthering Heights. 13 yeah. is The Giving Tree, which I've not read. Um, 12 is Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which mm-hmm. I have and is excellent. 11 is The Fault in Our Stars, which I've read and is excellent. Yeah, it's very fine. Uh, number 10 is a box set of The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings. So that's putting a lot of votes into one box, but there we go. Okay. Uh, then at number 9, Gone with the Wind. Yeah. Number 8, Animal Farm. Number 7, The Chronicles of Narnia. I'm going to say, just before, we... St- I thought that somewhere in the 20, Twilight must be there. And if it's already in the top 10, I'm cross. <laughs> You're going to rage quit out of the podcast. That's it. You're done. Uh, well, at number seven is The Chronicles of Narnia. Number six is The Book Thief. And at number five is Twilight. Oh, for God's sake. Goodreads decided that uh, Twilight uh, is somewhere between The Book Thief and Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen in terms of quality. Goodness sake. And, um, it, and it trumps Animal Farm. Mental. Uh, then, yeah, four is Pride and Prejudice, three is To Kill a Mockingbird, two is uh, Order of the Phoenix. So it's strange mm-hmm. that that's so much higher rated than the other Harry Potters, I think. It's the longest, um, isn't it? It is. And as somebody, a friend of mine pointed out, this is uh, my friend Claire who said this, like, I didn't know about the ring cycle theory of Harry Potter, about mm. how, like, book four is the turning point in the book. And, like, then every book, like, uh, the, the pairs of books are mirrored around number four. So in mm. five and three... Um, the kids uh, ride a flying creature to try and save Sirius. Mm. In three, they're successful, but in after Order of the Phoenix, in um, so yeah, after Goblet of Fire, in Order of the Phoenix, they're like in the the bad realm, the bad half. So mm. they fail. Um, yeah. And then in books two and six, you've got um, a diary of a Slytherin boy at Hogwarts talking to the protagonist, and it's defeated in two and it's it's uh, uh takes over the school in six and then mm. one and eight you've got harry dying you've got you got harry uh, being carried somewhere by hagrid um but like it's all flipped in the second half of the series i have to send i'll include a link in the show notes because um mm. claire you really opened my eyes with that one that was very interesting um and then at number one because uh, right. I delay this one nicely. Uh, at number one, according to goodreads.com, the greatest book ever written with 5.5 million ratings and an average rating of 4.33, it's The Hunger Games by Suzanne Collins. No. <laughs> what? Oh, okay. <laughs> Sometimes the internet can be a really good place, and then other times it can do things like this. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's because of the people who are on Goodreads, right? It's, it's so where was the of... name of the... I want to know where the name of the wind not is on, on that, that list. Is, that is not in the top 100, apparently. But I think That's the thing sad. is, this is a list that weights the average rating and the total number of votes. Right. So it probably has a higher rating. So yeah, Hunger Games is 4.33. Name of the wind has an average rating of 4.55 and it's like half a million ratings so it's 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 half a popularity contest basically yeah Yeah. which is the best kind of contest uh it's like the school competition for who's going to be named head boy or head girl um truly a representative you know uh look at the the talent in the school my goodness Um, well there we go we all learned something today. We've also, at the, just before we started the podcast, I was saying to Dan, like, you know, I feel like we should make the podcast a bit more focused on Wikipedia. Mm. What have we done in the first, like, how, I don't even know, how, how long did we manage to actually seriously engage with the longest article, with the most material we've ever had to work with? 
just like immediately veered off immediately course. off yeah this podcast is forever that meme of the um driver like leaving the freeway and it's yeah. like you could carry on and talk about wikipedia or we could have a random side tangent yeah uh that is us in a nutshell absolutely so is there anything else that we, you'd like to talk about about uh what was the exact title of the women's um, liberation movement in europe about the women's liberation movement in europe i don't think so Oh. To be honest, it's just there is just so much. I'm very, very keen to to hear what's recommended to us, um, but uh, but I feel I've exhausted what I can just give as a general. Uh, it's just so so much information; it's overwhelming. Yeah, it's it's too much. It's like when you go to eat at a restaurant and the menu is far too big. They've got like a normal menu, then seasonal specials, then specials of the day, then oh, it's actually our anniversary, so we're doing a special anniversary menu as well. And you've just got so much choice that you're sitting there for half an hour not knowing what to do with yourself. <laughs> Basically, yes, that's this episode. So uh, mm. thanks, thanks, women in Europe, for being so liberated that we yeah. actually we can't even begin to imagine how to talk about it. Yeah, that's how successful much. you were yeah. in the 60s, 70s, and early 80s. Yes. Sorry, I've, I've just I've stupidly the lights are quite dim in the lounge, and I've lit a really nice scented scented candle called Detox. And it's, send, <laughs> it's sending me off. Uh, yeah. Number three in the most Dan Moore sentences yeah. that have ever been said. Oh, and with that, because I've suddenly remembered how this podcast is structured, we're in Critics Corner, Simon. Do you remember this place? <laughs> God, remember? yeah, it's all it's all dusty. It's, yeah, it's like, hang oh, on, let me just. <laughs> oh, there you go. Oh gosh. <clears throat> oh God, Jeez. it's covered in porn. Mm, God. Um, God. Oh, that's not that's not dust. Oh God. Oh no. What have oh, you been watching no. recently? Dan? Oh, that was a very poorly chosen metaphor. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what dear. have you been watching other than porn, Dan? Well, I watch I watched Spotlight again today, because mm-hmm. um, it's on BBC iPlayer and it's very very fine. Um, I've I've had a bit of an iPlayer binge recently. There's been some really great stuff on. As I mentioned earlier, I watched the three Indiana Jones kind of the good the well the only the only Indiana three, Jones yeah. that were ever made. Um, Gone Girl was also an iPlayer, which is very, very fine indeed. Yeah, I've been waiting to watch that. I, I want to read the book first because mm. um, I know the book is meant to be excellent and yeah. probably better than the movie. But um, yeah, I, yes, okay, very fine choices so far. Yeah, um, and then to be honest, there hasn't been a great deal more other than occasionally watching like Jamie Cooks Italy on all four um mm. because they looked like some quite good recipes and i've got a new oven um so i was like oh better gotta put it to good use I've, I've been listening to a lot because i've now having been formally installed at exeter cathedral as choral scholar he's um, been plugged in he's had I, the security yeah. thing he's not gonna well, set a fire this is the thing i didn't realize incredibly ignorant of me literally where the word installed come from comes from to be placed in your stall that's uh, that's it's that's kind of it's, it's etymological root. Really? Is yeah. that it's that literal. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is very cool. It was a very very fun service. Banging music for Evensong. Um my parents were down uh so they they came to Eucharist and Evensong. Eucharist in the morning and Evensong in the afternoon. There's this ceremony where you're kind of escorted out of the stall. Uh you you go down to the dean, the dean. I think you, I think it's time for you to leave, sir. Yeah, yeah. Get out. <laughs> You've had it's, enough. It's not going to work. Um, you, yeah, you go across, you kind of, you make an oath, um, and, uh, and you say That's some things oath. and then you're, yeah, you're, you're walked back by, uh, the director of music. And for me, it was my lay clerk, uh, Gordon, Gordon Pike, the man, the legend. Gordon's um, alive! Gordon, he, he's very much so. And it's very loud. Um, but he, they, they, they kind of escort you into your spot, stand either side of you and go, 
you know, by the power invested in me as director of music, blah, blah, blah. We install you, Daniel Moore, as choral scholar of Exeter Cathedral. And then they shove you down into your seat. They just have both hands on your shoulders and, and push you down and they make the whole kind of row shake and, 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 and bang, which is quite funny. And then, and then that's it. So I've been, I've been keeping up with just an incredible amount of music. I think I, I kind of expected what, how much it would be. And then also completely didn't because it has just been mad. And I've had services to sing more on the weekends because we've, I, I mentioned earlier as well, um, ordinations. So those who are being made uh, or, or being ordained as, as priests or deacons uh, would have big ceremonies in the cathedral. So I've been singing at those. So, so for those of you who might be unfamiliar with it, just very, very briefly, how mm. much are you singing at the moment? Every day. I sing every day. So I sing even song every day. music every day. Yeah. Um, I sing two services on a Sunday. I normally get Saturdays off, but I didn't get this Saturday off uh, because of, again, these ordinations. So I have a folder currently sitting on the keyboard in the, in the lounge um, just called, entitled Cathedral Music. And it's it's always just masses because I like to take it home and look at it rather than just rely on trying to sight read it and get away with it in the service. Yeah, um, that's, a, that's a good call. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of fun, though. It's been really, really lovely. And we had a, we had a the back row, which is the kind of the adults of the choir because obviously the front front row is all the the boys and girls, the trebles. Um, we had the kind of a black back row dinner, which was very nice, all black tie. Oh, nice. We went to the uh, the Canon Presenters house on the green and had some had some drinks and canapes and things. Then went over into the, um, uh, where the kind of the cathedral cafe is basically, but they'd kind of cleared it all and put on a dinner for us, which was really nice. And then we went to the pub and got very drunk and had to be up in the morning for a Eucharist. So, yeah. Hey, there we go. All yeah. happy ending. It's brilliant, really. I'll tell you who was, who was utterly like, confounded utterly perplexed by the idea of a choral scholarship mm. uh was the great youtuber paint who oh, really uh i had a i had a proper chance to meet so i did a I, I did summer in the city which is for those of you who don't know it's a it's a sort of a youtube convention in um london every year uh and it's it's quite a, a big thing i think the capacity of the place is like ten thousand people it wasn't mm. full but like several several thousand people come to this thing and i did a um uh, a panel uh, I moderated a panel with a bunch of creators on it and um, one of them was Paint who I ended up talking to for a bit afterwards and I mentioned that I was a singer and that you know I actually lived with this guy and we were, we were both choral scholars and when we went to see you in uh, Amsterdam because of VidCon Amsterdam Paint did a mm-hmm. set and Dan and I were there at the back screaming our bloody lungs out yeah um, we were indeed and, and like I, he just he seemed like utterly perplexed by this idea that like so wait you, you were at university but you were like paid to sing and we mm. were like yeah, yeah i know it's amazing right but um he uh, he just it was it was amazing it was like this kind of childlike enthusiasm that like that this was a thing that you could do yeah um but he also seemed very interested in the podcast so um if you if paint mr paint if you're if you're watching um john then you're very well as an open invite to come on the podcast yeah um, that'd be amazing um, i mean imagine we, we talk about music quite a bit anyway but i imagine we'd probably have a really really yeah. amazing chat about it and we I can mean, educate further on what a choral scholarship is and what it's like at, certainly in a, in a chapel choir or a cathedral and i mean to be honest there, there, there's a bunch of musical people that i'd love to get on I, I i mean i've i tweeted them a few times i get the impression we're on different wavelengths um sideways ethan mm. uh yeah uh like we've i i i, t- I tweeted uh the, the other week that i was like can we just all agree that the uruk kai have the best light motif in any soundtrack ever mm. and then people like there was a lot of engagement on it and i was like Huh, okay i'll reply to it and i was like i replied to my own tweet with uh, at sideways um i hear you know something about leitmotifs 
expecting mm. him to weigh in and like kind of come at me with a better, more learned opinion. And he just replied with, yes, full stop. Uh-huh. Oh, I guess we're on different wavelengths. That's yeah. that's fine. Um, but Fair yeah, I'd love, to get, I'd love to get him. I'd love to get um, Tim, Tim Blaze from Acapella Science. That'd be fun. Yeah. It's um, a shame too that there isn't kind of like a really lovely ukulele playing female YouTuber who does really great music that I may have met already and, yeah. and been completely flawless with. Um, I just can't was, think of yeah, anyone who would fit that fit I, I that can't bill, think really. of anyone that you've been flawless with. I do remember you having a breakdown when you met Dodie. Okay, all right. All but, right. Steady on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm, I'm being triggered. You weren't there, man. Having um, flashbacks to him yeah. being like, hey, I... I don't, bruh, yeah. oh, God, Hello. It was just... Well. Program resetting. Yeah. <laughs> I really outdid myself there. Feed me tea. <laughs> Robo Dan. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so I suppose, yeah, if I'm going to critique anything, because I haven't been watching a huge amount. Um, I've been reading a fair bit. Um, mm-hmm. I, if I was to critique Summer in the City, uh, it is not our crowd. It's very different crowds to VidCon um, in that it's basically a lot of younger fans, particularly female skewed. Um, and basically I walked around the convention hall because I wanted to see what was going on. And I got recognized once or twice. Um uh, and Tom Scott, who mm. I did uh, a game show with, huge channel, like one and a half million or something like that subscribers, very famous. He walked around the convention hall and he got recognized by two people's dads. And that was yeah. it. It's just a very, very different, uh, you know, setting. But it was fun. Uh, and uh, Pixel Girl and her sister got to meet some of their favorite YouTubers, which was nice. Um, and I was actually talking to Hannah Witten about the Banging Book Club, um, which is her, Lucy Moon, and oh i can't remember the name of the other girl i'm so sorry um and they they talk about a book every week uh, every month and um it's amazing how their setup was they put a zoom h4n this is bear mm-hmm. in mind this is a podcast that's about three or four times more popular than the Wikicast. like it's actually quite a popular podcast um they basically just put one mic in the middle of the room and then all three of them talk and so like strong I went to a panel, which also had my um, Alex, my gym buddy Alex, um, was on this panel, and I basically pulled hand to one side afterwards, and I was like, "Just please let me let me tell you how to make a podcast." <laughs> like, I feel like someone needs to sit you down and talk to you about microphones. Um, I realise that that could have been interpreted as mansplaining, but I was genuinely just trying to help uh, mm. because, like, we as a minnow of a podcast and with way less money available, have like actually dedicated microphones for example yeah and we do processing on our audio and a hundred thousand we have a hundred thousand downloads that is quite right daniel mm. um amazing job everyone Very so exciting. We, we hit that milestone when we weren't even uploading um we, we we should stress by the way that was like our summer break we had basically yeah. an unavoidable period where we couldn't upload from now this is hopefully now going to be a continuous streak of uploading for well until at least christmas is my hope like, yeah, well, this is this is a new season of the Wikicast, so we take Absolutely. it really seriously. Wikicast um, season two, it's going to be very exciting. We, I've 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 been speaking with James about just how I'm really thrilled at the prospect of just not really doing much except <laughs> uni, uni oh. and music, because in previous years I've just tried to do way too many things at the same time, and it's just proved impossible to to yeah. remain sane for more than two weeks before, without crashing or getting sick or you know. Um, yeah, and don't don't you, you've got to resist the urge because I've been in that position before. Yeah. you've got to resist the urge to like to, to itch that scratch and be like, oh, I think I could do a bit more. Yeah, and, like slap yourself yeah. and be like, no, learn um, limits. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be something that's for sure. But I've I've already started flicking through. I bought some books on Amazon the other day for some of my modules. 
uh, this year. I have, mm. I now have three. In fact, they're just sitting behind here. If I can grab them, I have a, a book called Into the Woods by John York, uh, which is uh, how stories work and why we tell them. Which is for my ah. script writing for film and television. Uh, oh, you're doing a module in that. That is yes. dope. I'm doing, I've got one called The Instinctive Screenplay and one called Save the Cat, the last book on screenwriting yeah, that I need, yeah. um, which will be uh, interesting to read. And then I have a, a really massive one by a gentleman called Stanley Ireland, which is Roman Britain, a source book, um, which is basically, from what I can understand, a kind of archaeological uh, anthology of uh, finds. Let's see what it says. Roman Britain... <clears throat> A source book has established itself as the only comprehensive collection of source material on the subject. It incorporates literary, uh, nuministic and epigraphic evidence of the, hist- of the history of Britain under Roman rule, as well as translations of major literary sources. What a thrill. Page turner. Absolute page turner. Can't wait. So that's for my, uh, my, my, Roman, well, my Roman Britain module. And then you, I'm taking you, um, another one. Have you called... read uh, The Theor- Hero with a Thousand Faces? Is that also like um, reading material? I because that, that's another classic one I know for, um, uh, what's it called? You know, like script writing. Okay. No, I don't um, know. I mean, I, I imagine that I go, I'm going to have to go and buy some more, but I haven't been given a book list yet. But it's for my... I've received a lot of flack for saying that I'm taking this module because apparently it's really, really quite heavy. Um, but it's ancient literary criticism. And I'm taking it because uh, the professor, who's his professor of classics and happens to be convening this module, is brilliant. His name is uh, Professor Wright. And he uh, is basically, if, if Louis Theroux, Stephen Fry and Rowan Atkinson had a love child, that's what you'd get. And he's brilliant. Wow. Um, he, he occasionally appears at Evensong. He's just a really, really top bloke. And I'm really excited to, to be uh, one of his third years, which is quite cool. Incredible. Um, but yeah, I'm just doing that. So my, my working day will basically be, I want to be in the library for about quarter to nine, uh, Work right the way through until about, well, until I've got enough time to dash down to the cathedral for rehearsal, kind of half an hour before the service, sing the service, then come home, and then that's it. So, wow. And that's all I'm doing. I don't have a job. I'm not doing singers. I'm not doing GNS. I'm not doing opera society. I mean, I'm not. So there is so. no excuse for you to ever miss an episode of the Wikicast, is what Basically, you're yeah. Unless I forget. <laughs> Unless you. Listeners, dear readers, do remind Dan of this. So just send it, clip this little bit. And if we ever. If I have to start an episode by saying, "Oh, we didn't do one last week because of Dan," then yeah. just just send that to him, please. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, I think it's good. I think I think you'll, it's going to be a lot healthier for you this year, and yeah. you know we can focus on because we are both quite keen to grow the Wikicast. Like now with regular uploads, we're probably going to sort of shift the focus, maybe make it a little bit shorter, a bit less intimidating for new new readers. Mm. Um, and at the same time, I, I I should I don't know maybe this isn't the wrong. The, the the right place to announce it but i plan on doing more uh kind of jokey bullshit streams like i did i did one the other week where i just played getting over it with bennett foddy yeah. um if you like like the podcast for that dynamic of us just just chatting shit, um then those streams will be an endless supply of more material so yeah. don't worry there's going to be anything, more and clark material to be fair yeah well yeah but uh, you're, you're that's an open invite if you want to come on those streams and just sort of chat or play games um oh, i'm know. sure I'll, I'll find a free moment to come and annoy you well actually that's that's another thing i should critique uh, is i am so excited because i finally i, I bought a new game for the first time in god knows how long Ooh, i am the get? proud owner of two point hospital 
which is the modern remake or the sort of sequel reimagining reboot whatever you want to call it of theme hospital which was one of my favorite games as a kid it was one of the games that i remember so vividly playing and mm. it's a, a reboot which absolutely captures like the, the spirit of it it is so fun uh, like awesome. I play, played it on a holiday. That might be one that I end up playing on one of those those streams. Um, and, you know, Dan can yell at me and we can sort of do basically do a wiki cast, but with me playing a game on the side. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, so, yeah, that that was sort of coming off of, um, um, t- yeah, talking about, don't worry, the wiki cast is probably going to change a little bit. But if you feel like you're going to miss out on content, you're not. There's going to be even yeah. more of it out there. It's going to change for the better, we feel. Definitely. Um, the other thing, um, there, there were sort of two things that I wanted to, to bring up I mean, in the few minutes we have left in this corner. Uh, mm. One is uh, I have been obsessed with uh, a piece of music, uh, mm. which is by a composer I brought up before, John Adams. Mm. Uh, and it is his opera, Dr. Atomic, which is... And I've heard about this. An amazing, astonishing piece of music, uh, which is about the Manhattan Project. It's about the development of the first nuclear bomb and specifically mm. the it, it's the play is sorry the opera um builds up to the first test happening mm. uh, and oppenheimer wrestling with whether or not he should do it whether it's a whether it's the right thing to do you hear from his wife you hear from their nanny who was from a native american tribe who is from an area where in years after the tests they had they suffered a lot from radiation sickness because they did so many tests and the government didn't tell them what they were doing um and it's an amazingly powerful piece of music there's a there's a piece um the standout piece is an aria called batter my heart mm. um which uh is takes its name from the same reason why the trinity test site is called the trinity test site um it, it comes from the um sacred sonnets i think they're called um by john don who was right. a elizabethan stuart poet i don't know if you have you heard of him before no i haven't okay um so basically he he wrote these things called the, the holy sonnets um uh and one of them uh oppenheimer well i think oppenheimer was given them to read by his wife and um he basically named trinity after a line in one in the sonnet and then the text of that sonnet becomes his wrestling with god about why should he do this can't god take this task away from him like he doesn't want to have to do this but if you're going to abandon me then i have to do it um kind of like really powerful text and it and it and it fits in with the history and the music is really powerful and it's just i I made the mistake of listening to it on the way to summer in the city and i felt like my soul had been destroyed yeah it's utterly heartbreaking music like the end of the the end of the opera is this this huge crescendo that takes place it's like a a crescendo and um an increase in tempo over about five minutes as you just count down to the bomb going off and you feel like nature is rebelling against this unnatural thing that's about to happen and it's like Mm. screaming and it doesn't want it to happen and then there's this sort of low rumble and it's i can't even describe the, the sound of it just sounds like fallout it sounds like what you associate with nuclear war and then there's this wave a sudden wave of electrical noise that's just overwhelming and incredibly you know loud and and shocking and then Mm. apparently so there's a version on spotify i'll link it in the show notes which i'm talking about where they did this performance and that happens and then they dim the lights and the lights go completely down and the last thing you hear in the recording is a japanese woman asking for water for her baby Mm. and oh wow it's just i it's i don't think i've ever had a piece of music affect me like it 
it wow. was it was it, it genuinely felt like it sort of blasted away at my soul it was it was unlike anything i've ever heard so i have to give it a listen i've just well i've just punched it into wikipedia parry's songs of farewell at the round earth's imagined corners is one of his poems john don's oh really and benjamin Britten set nine of the sonnets for soprano and tenor in his holy sonnets of john don ah. so there's a way in Say we could always bring it back to something choral, but yeah, <laughs> the choral cast, everyone. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and John Tavener did some stuff the, as well. The latter or the former, like the, latter. the early one. Oh, oh nice. Uh, yeah, set three of Don Sonnets. I spit in my face. Death be not proud, and I am a little world made cunningly for soloist and a small ensemble. Hmm. Very cool. Okay, I'll so, add that to my listening list. Absolutely, do. and I'll send you the recording that it should be because it is just. It's mm. exceptional. Um, the Brilliant. other thing that I wanted to bring up very quickly um, was uh, I, I did a, a first game of d and I, I DM'd oh, yeah. my first ever campaign on holiday. How was that? We only did a couple of sessions. So we were working on the uh, Minds of Fandelver starter set. Yeah. Uh, after having talked to Mark Humes, uh, the professional dungeon master, uh, to see the old cast, uh, he said it was a good idea. Uh, and basically, we got t- through a whole encounter in a cave system with goblins, and uh, we got to the village where the paths will then suddenly diverge and they could do whatever they want. Mm. And so I got like the experience of doing, uh, pretending to be a goblin, uh, like that they were negotiating with and then like having to be like a, sh- a barkeeper for so- who, of course, when you're in like a D and D setting, all the peasants are West country. Like, yeah, obviously. of course. Yeah. Um, so I was like, Oh, good day travelers. How, how are you today? Uh, that kind of thing. And then the- <laughs> what maybe, what maybe want to bring this up was, um, one of the, the, the party, Claire, he was playing an elf called, um, oh, was it Robin Hallwinter or something like that? Um, decided that they wanted to meet up with the other elf in town and get a quest from them. And it's like, it was a knock, a knock on the door. And then I was like, oh, so a tall, uh, elegant looking, slightly older elf opens the door. And I was like, oh, yes. Hi, hello. Can I help you? And Claire was like, hi, uh, Dan. Um, like, <laughs> apparently my elf voice, my female oh, wow. elf voice is just you. Thanks very um, much. So, you know, you could thank Claire for that one. Uh, Cheers, <laughs> just Claire. Um, and I was like, oh, I'll just, I'll just put my knitting down and oh, come in. I just made some tea. Um, yes. That kind of thing. I've just but, been tending the honeysuckle out in the garden. Do please come and look. Literally, it's like, it's like you were there. Yeah. Uh, well, like, the hilariously, was, as an aside, I mean, I mentioned design beforehand. That will be me this year because I've ripped everything out of my garden and my housemate and I are going to be building some raised beds uh, probably tomorrow uh, in the day. And we're going to turn it into a just a, a haven of of loveliness. It's going to be really pleasant. But there you go. Oh, that's going to be lovely. Adding more to the elf, uh, the elf, elf theory. Yeah. The, other, the thing that made me laugh the most about the whole experience was it was really fun, by the way. And like it, as a DM, I was slightly worried that I was just going to be the facilitator of fun and like I wouldn't enjoy it myself. But it was really fun, and I'd like to continue the campaign. But like it's amazing how character traits and characters can appear from like a single dice roll. So in the first encounter where you're the travellers get ambushed by goblins, one of the characters, it was played by my very good friend John, um, who was our noble. He was a, a people's champion. Uh, he wanted to restore his wealth. Yeah, Tall John. Yeah. Uh, and he was, you know, like a noble. And we were all thinking he was going to be like the hero of the piece. But then he rolled a nat one on his initiative for the first mm. thing. And so for the rest of the campaign, he was this idiot. He was like, yeah. the goblins! Kind of like smacking his head with a saucepan. Kind of yeah. thing. And like all that came from was a single dice roll. Yeah, but yeah. like then whenever he had to act anything out, like, oh, I see, you know, you cleave the goblin in two. And it was like, dude, <laughs> dead goblin. <laughs> like Amazing. 
and like you know we had we had the two we, we duplicated a character i was like basically we, there are six of us there are five character sheets so we you, two of you will have the same character sheet and we ended up with two halflings who were the thieves and like knife specialists and they decided that they were the girls from the shining they were oh, like no. come with us forever and ever. Ooh, <laughs> i just oh my god i can't believe i didn't mention it um you were in the shining no i knew it i i watched um ready player one. Oh, what did you think it's amazing really it's really good oh, it's okay. really good you're the I first really, person really, i've heard say that so i that's... really liked it I, I really really liked it um i it was i was i just had the best time watching every section because it is just so riddled with with game culture and and an internet it's oh it's it's really good and i watched it on the the tv at home which is which is quite big um and you need to because it's such a visual spectacle i'm really i'm really well the thing is i really regret not seeing it in the cinema because much like going to see something like um a quiet place you need to see it in that kind of environment it won't be the same if you watch it at home um so Mm. if anyone said you know if you if you happen to be much like Exeter university where we have a we have a student cinema um, or if there's some kind of outdoor showing of it on a, on a big screen, do go because it's incredible. It's a very very so, fine. So, display. what about it? Did you enjoy? Like, what, what specifically what made it so good? I liked the. Um, I thought the story was really endearing um, and simple. Um, I thought that the way that they kind of treat the, 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 the kind of the the nostalgia and 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 the kind of pop culture was done really quite tastefully at times, and then other times really not. But it's hilarious, like. Oh, it's, it's just really good it's really hard to explain unless you see it because i haven't seen a film like it in its okay. scope like it's 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 just colossal it's also got a really fantastic cast i think it was it was it was cast really brilliantly mark rylance um has a very very key role and i think he's fantastic so um yeah if you get an opportunity to watch it um, please do because it's uh it's very very good i'd be curious to see what you think uh, well, we should probably move on. We, in the spirit of trying to keep this podcast moving, shall mm. we? Shall we leap on to? I believe it's Patreon corner. I think it is. Let's go. Top lad. Well, then we find ourselves in Patreon corner. Funnily enough, that's how the power of editing works. Yeah. Um, we have we have to say thank you to the people who make this podcast possible. We have yeah, our producers, do. our top lads. Um, and well, I mean, without any further ado, they're. they're that David Scarehill, Carl Much, Matt McGuire, Dan Hanvey, Marit Vakira Punyawat, Billy Toulson, The Moustache Man, Fee Gascoigne, Connor Leavers, Lewis Watson, Ben McMurtry, Simon Torseth, Elliot Conway, Lachlan Woods, Geordie Eschendahl, Davy Schramm, Vontabel, Tapio Kirkin, Tapio Kirkin, yeah, thank you, Jay Wright, Alex Greer, Ben Dent, Wonderful Stephen, Eric Bolliger, Henry Brewster, Habiba Amjad, Eric Davis, Isabel Ostrowski, Simon Vase, great name, Rory Healy, John Mannion, Nathan Smith. Oh, no, no, that's it. Oh, that's don't, it. Don't give Nathan Smith a shout. He's only oh, giving no. us $2 a month. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the tight bastard. <laughs> I've just, see, I haven't you done it this way. We just have free. a massive list of people. Yeah, uh, patrons change the way they do things, guys. So this it's is a bit crazy. More confusing for us. Well, it's also it's it's a we should also say a massive thank you to everybody who listens anyway, because as we said earlier, a hundred thousand downloads is quite the milestone for us, um, and we're going to go on to further and you know further and greater heights now that we've we've hit season Bigger. two. And um, better, and yeah. you know, thank you for bearing with us in the time that we've been away, mm. and we are now back. We, the evidence is incontrovertible, Bounty. With a, uh, with a vengeance. We are, we are back and we are going to be, you know, really, we, we, we want to make the wiki cast into something really great. And, 
you know, I've got some plans. And Spongy and Electric, of course, has now sort of come back, and we're going to be doing more stuff on there as well. Um, so, you know, keep an eye out for that. But basically, yeah, thank you very much for supporting this project, guys. It allows Dan and I to continue our friendship. It allows us to make content that otherwise we can't monetize this in any other way because it's not good enough to be monetized in any other way. Um, and yeah, thank you very much, guys. And I think that's our top lads. But what about the other tiers, Dan? How else can... Tell, tell people, before we go through the rest of it, how can people get engaged with the Wikicast? Well, as Simon's mentioned, we have our top lads. Uh, there's our, our top 30 patrons. Incidentally, there is a space free for, oh. for another top lads. So should you wish to join their ranks, you absolutely can. You want to head over to patreon.com forward slash the Wikicast um, and click on the top lad uh, and join. But we also have, for those who... Uh, who, uh, who maybe slightly more fiscally uh, uh, limited. Um, You're a student, perhaps. And yeah, also, absolutely. In case we haven't said this uh, enough, this is patreon.com forward slash the Wikicast. Absolutely. Um, I'm, I'm sure I will have edited that little snippet in now like five times in this segment. Yeah, and if you want to donate, you can go to patreon.com forward slash the Wikicast. Patreon.com forward slash the Wikicast. Yeah, where you can donate to things like going to our Patreon dot com forward slash the wikicast, the wikicast. Um, but you can you can one one thing that we always talk about every week is the hot intense rivalry uh, between team dog and team cat which are one dollar one dollar a month one uh, dollar a month one dollar a month anyway moving swiftly on <laughs> we haven't we uh, i suppose the kind of the borderline racism was missing from this episode so far, yeah so I, I just take that box now I, I could, i've only got to talk about warhammer now and it's a full set for those of you playing wikicast bingo if you don't know what that is head over to the facebook <laughs> page or the community tab on patreon.com forward, forward slash, slash the, the wikicast, wikicast. <laughs> um, we need to uh, update you on the standings between team dog and team cat and would you believe team dog 35 patrons team cat a measly 27 27 I mean, for those who may be new you might not realize that team dog is 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 my corner my representatives and team cat is simon's uh, simon's sphere and they're kind of the lesser humans who dwell on this to quote sally know. lepage i am a dog in human form who likes cats whereas dan is a cat in human form who likes, who likes dogs. dogs absolutely so, uh, come on guys give, say that throw me a bone here throw me a kibble treat here we've got to like claw this back this is embarrassing <laughs> yeah well done team dog very proud a dollar a month if you like cats and you like the wiki cast then a dollar dollar a month at the pa- patreon.com forward slash the wikicast it's it, it's a, it's a no-brainer and it will help me save face in front of dan yeah so. and the reason the reason we should probably say kind of the one of the reasons why we have this patreon um if you head over head on over to the website which if you didn't catch the link it's www.patreon.com forward slash slash the wikicast Um, we have several different goals and tiers the vast majority of which happily we've reached Um, the first reason we started it is that we wanted this podcast to be self-sufficient so we would pay for its own hosting which it very much does now Uh, it also means that because people have been wanting to give so generously that every month we give $20 as a donation to Wikipedia because more and more people should is it when used correctly it's an incredible resource Um, and without it this podcast wouldn't exist so we make sure on your behalf and ours uh, we give a donation each week and then anything else um, goes into a little kind of pot of money that sits between uh, Simon and myself and we can use that for things such as travelling um, from say Exeter where I am up to, to where Simon is so we can do things together like recording some of the things that you can find on the Spongy Electric channel or most excitingly when we did our kind of first foray into um, merch so yes. we did t-shirts yeah. which was a, which was amazing and every now and then we still get a kind of a notification on Twitter of someone who might have been bought as a gift a, a sticker or, 
or or a t-shirt. I was wearing mine as, as some pajamas just the other night. It's terribly comfortable. Yes, my um, my mum did the same. She said uh, she woke up in the morning and I had Dan on my left bosom. Uh, oh, what a place to be. Which wasn't something that I ever really wanted to think about, but there we go. There you go. Uh, thanks, Dan. <laughs> Putting your face <laughs> no on my mum's tits. Thanks, Jill. <laughs> Um, but yeah, and we, it just basically allows us quite a bit more kind of creative freedom in terms of doing things that we'd um, we'd want to do, but might otherwise be uh, uh, hard. Uh, and I think finance. in the future, I, I'm very keen to use that fund to uh, get somebody to edit Sponge and Electric so we can do more content on Sponge and Electric or, or edit the Wikicast for us. And then also, I would really like to sort of start doing some uh, incentives for the community. So perhaps doing an animation contest and mm-hmm. we can actually afford to give out a prize because of the Patreon. So yeah. there's a lot of things to do. It's it's the Patreon, that's patreon.com forward slash the Wikicast, is uh, the Wikicast Development Fund. And it yeah. pays for our costs and it allows us to expand. So that's why we're talking about it. And it's I think brilliant. we've probably mentioned it enough. Shall we move on to Crisis Corner? Let's do it. Thank you to all our Patreons at patreon.com forward slash the Wikicast. Top lad! So we've been written into by Anonymous. Jesus! Yeah. <laughs> they came out of fucking nowhere. <laughs> there was this really long pause, and then Dan was like, "Anyway, so wow, gee, my, yeah. oh my heart." Okay, we found yes. them once again. It's anonymous writing in. Oh, um, bless anonymous. A very very keen uh, emailer. Had a very rough uh, time, anonymous. Yeah, they they go on to say, "Dear Simon and Dan, I have what feels like an awfully secondary school crisis, but for some reason I cannot get it out of my head. I'm an introvert, so I only have a handful of friends who I feel close to. This has never really bothered me all too much." Until now. I have a friend who seems to be sending me hints that we're no longer friends. They make vague plans with me, like, oh, we're due for a catch-up, or we should really hang out sometime. But whenever I suggest a date, they're always busy. They've always sent me messages apologising for being so unavailable, but they feel quite false. I've bumped into this person at various events which we've attended together in the past. This makes me feel they just don't want to hang out with me uh, without outright saying so. I know this person is quite opportunistic career-wise, and I can't help but feel that I've just become too uncool for them based on the crowd I've seen them uh, with as of late. We share a number of mutual friends and interests, so inevitably, wherever I go, I will see them. I want to branch out and get and find new friends to avoid these awkward encounters, but I feel I need some closure from this person before I do that. Is there any way to get a clear answer about the situation without being... Um, Accusatory. I'm expecting, am I expecting too much from this person? After all, I could just be projecting my insecurities and there may be no situation at all. Also, how do you make friends as an introverted adult in their mid 20s? Apologies for the longer email and what feels like a childish crisis, but any advice would be much appreciated. Thanks, Anonymous. So, let me just sort of cut to the straight of this. So, this is Anonymous thinks that one of their friends Mm. doesn't want to be friends with them anymore because Mm. Anonymous thinks they're not cool enough to be friends with them. Yes. Is that is that right? Yes. And then follow on from that, how do you make new friends and branch out? Yeah, I mean, and, branch- do, and do they need to seek closure about this this thing? I mean, branching out, that, that aspect is, I think, very commendable. Um, mm. In terms of how to make new friends, I always think the best way to do it is to um, have a shared interest, like join a, a group, like, for example, in my local town. I'm actually, hopefully, this coming week going to go to um, the local choral society. Uh, which is apparently quite good um and you know the, then you have like a mechanism to meet people you are in a room with all the people and you, and you have something in common that you all like doing and that could be sport it could be art it could be music it's basically like a, a society university there's no reason why you don't you can't do that same stuff as an adult you just have to find the structure that allows you to do it um i think that's that's a good way of making friends mm. in terms of whether or not 
you i mean we obviously don't know the situation but don't you think it's a little bit unusual that you know you think uh you know someone is someone oh i I think that person doesn't want to be friends with me anymore i think they're too cool for me is that Mm. have you ever thought that i i haven't experienced it personally but i've noticed people who perhaps might have been in my year level who certainly when you're getting to the later stages of secondary school and puberty becomes far more of a thing and i think everyone becomes a you know uh, they're so much more self-conscious and image conscious um people who who used to hang out with with a group of, of friends of mine might have started to do less of that because they realized that actually it might be better to hang out in you know hang out with a sports team or something you know because it certainly from a male perspective um that uh that's something i noticed um it sounds really strange i mean i mean Obviously, it's it's never a nice feeling that you feel like people somebody doesn't want to be friends with you, especially mm. if they're always you're always trying to make plans and saying do you for a catch up and then not being able to do it. Um, to be honest, if I was to give any advice, it's clearly whether there's a situation there or not, and whether you're projecting things or not. Um, whatever you're feeling is real to you, and as such, I I think it warrants any action that you would like to take. If if you think that you can, just you know send a message saying hey um i just want to make th- i want to make sure that things are kind of clear b- um, between us it feels like things have changed if you don't want to kind of hang out anymore that's totally fine but i'd, be- I'd really appreciate knowing that and having that conversation um, i mean i do i do feel like i agree with you in saying that it's real to you therefore it merits action but yeah. i still think that that there is the possibility that you know that action could be you acting on wh- whether or not you're projecting insecurities but the but, but regardless of that, the outcome will either be the person goes, oh yeah, you're spot on. I don't want to be friends with you anymore, or <laughs> oh no, not at all. I just have been really busy, and like this person said, they're quite um, opportunistic career wise. And maybe then you can reply with, oh, no worries, that's fine. I'm I'm just really glad I saw it because I was kind of thing. I was you know things were kind of festering in my head, and I was worried things were worse, and wanted to make sure that you were okay. You know. I mean, I would definitely, I would definitely say that if if it was me, I would. I would definitely seek closure, I think, in that sense. I'd be like, just, you know, like, but perhaps it's like, you can phrase it as like an invite to something that's like, um, you know, hey, I wondered if you wanted to hang out equally. If you don't want to chill anymore, that's cool. I understand. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, it doesn't have to be a confrontational thing. I mean, you don't, anonymous, you don't sound terribly like angry or um even terribly upset about it you're just it's, it's almost more of a curiosity to you it's, it was the impression i got from the email um, mm. which is good you know you shouldn't be sort of all hent up and emotional about it um so yeah it, I, you don't have to you know it doesn't have to be a negative ending to this like ho- hopefully as dan says the the happy ending is is your friend going oh wait no no i've just been a bit busy kind mm. of thing um but yeah, I would. I don't think it's unusual to seek closure. I think that's a a, a good call. Mm. And yeah, in terms, what would you? What's your sort of tip? Obviously, you're still at university, Dan. But how would you recommend as an adult making new friends? Um, I'm definitely because we're both quite introverted. As the yeah, I would say that we both are introverted people. There's a different, you know, introverted doesn't mean you you actively seek out being alone you know there's there's times for me where i really i you know i love spending time with people and going out and doing things um with groups of people but i think one of the i read some ages ago like a definition of an introvert was that it was you seek solitude to recharge yourself um and i yeah, absolutely do that definition. some people some people 
when they recharge, they recharge by being around people. And that's definitely not me. I, I would, I'd want to be on my own for a bit to get some, a bit, you know, a bit of me time, if you like, yeah, yeah. Um, to, to kind of recharge. I suppose what I would do and what makes it easier is to, ne- to, to not go too out of your way in terms of a comfort zone to try and meet new people because you, I just find that, I'd find that really weird and probably a bit disingenuous. Like if I was going out to something and being like, oh yeah, I'm going to go and meet a load of new friends in a club because I do like going to clubs, don't get me wrong, but that's not probably my usual hangout. Whereas if there was maybe a, a folk band playing at a at a pub or a bar near me uh, or some some event at the cathedral or something that I would be probably going to anyway, um, then conversation flows easier and you're more likely to to meet someone who might be like, you know, like minded. Mm. Um, I mean, I do I do think sort of to, to go back to what I mentioned earlier about Arnold Schwarzenegger's autobiography, something that he believes in. And I think it was Eleanor Roosevelt who first said it was that, like, you should do something that scares you every day. You know, mm. push yourself out of your comfort zone, but you don't have to. To echo what Dan says, you do, that doesn't all have to be all at once. Yeah, like it can be incremental changes and just a little bit at a time, um, and eventually it does add up. And you just, I guess, have to be patient unless you're willing to take that kind of big leap. Yeah. But you know, to sort of combine what Dan was saying with what I was saying earlier is, you know, stick close to what you would be interested in and see if you can find like a structure that allows you to meet people in it, like a student mm. society, but you know, obviously not a university. Um, you know, I think there is this perception that it is basically impossible to meet new people uh, uh, as an adult unless you are dating or at work. Um, mm. And, you know, I'm not really the best person to answer that because I've never had to de- deal with that having just come out of university and I have enough friends to, to tie me over. You know, I don't feel like... I, I don't, I'm not sat thinking, gosh, I wish I knew more people. Um, but I don't know, that's... that that, that. Again, it's a, it's a problem that we're not terribly well qualified to answer. But I hope that was helpful. Hmm. I, I mean, think so. I mean, so the it, things it, things like this are so specific to the individual. It's all I, you know, we, Simon and I always say this is just kind of advice of what we would do in the situation, and definitely not kind of like a step by step guide as to how to solve a, a problem. Um, but maybe just hearing how we might deal with things might resonate with you, or give you another option to think about, uh, or <laughs> talk through an option that you go oh yeah i definitely don't want to do that you know it's just as helpful to rule yeah. out possibilities than than come up with them and, and um, in the scenario i think basically what i would say is i would definitely seek closure try and phrase it in a friendly way and if you can follow an interest especially if there's something in the local area especially if it's quite esoteric and it's like very it's like quite i think the smaller the niche the more you're going to get on with the people who are there like yeah. if you really like bad movies for example there's a place in bristol I'm, I'm not there anymore but there's a place in bristol called the bad movies club where people mm. just get up get together and watch the room and samurai cop and that kind of thing and i feel like if yeah. you go there then that's like such a narrow niche you're definitely going to get on with the people who are there because it's only yeah. a certain kind of well, person that we likes had similar things where we'd get talking to people when we go to hole in the wall to go and watch game of thrones yeah yeah, it's exactly. a, yeah. It's, again, it's you know, I I absolutely agree that doing something every day that scares, doing something every day new that scares you and puts you out of your comfort zone is really valuable. But if you're somebody who know you, you knows that you're introverted and knows that maybe starting those new relationships is difficult, then maybe that hard thing you do every day doesn't have to be the way you meet people because that's just making the job even harder. If you know that there's something on that you or you already have an interest in, um, use that as a strength. But there we go. I feel like yeah. that's that's some pretty solid. Well done, us. Can we, yeah. can we give us a round of applause there? Nice one. That's, well done. 
Dan? Brilliant. Well done, Simon. Oh, thank you, mate. And now we're in correspondent. Corin's Pondence. Corin's Pondence Corner. It's a lovely corner. I can't believe, incidentally, Dan, you... We have we, you teased this at the start of the podcast. What did you do that was so damn cheeky? Oh yeah, as one tends to do. Uh, I, I I kind of I I finished watching um, Bodyguard last night on BBC One. Instantly, cool. if, you, if you're not watching that, uh, do because it's it's written incredibly well. It's filmed beautifully. Casting is superb. It's probably one of the best BBC dramas I've seen. Um, I've heard, heard that a friend was playing at Firehouse, which is a lovely pub in Exeter. Uh, we may so have I, did, I kind of tootled on down, um, and somebody mentioned in passing that the cheeky girls, the cheeky girls, were the playing at girl. Rosie's uh, that very night. So what was going to be a fairly quiet and relaxed night turned into a massive sesh. And I got home about three, and I have photos and video evidence of me uh, dancing with and taking photos with. Uh, the cheeky girls, which is just incredible. Can you also repeat what you said to me between sections about what happened to a friend of ours? <laughs> oh yeah, so we have a dear friend called Luke, who's who's an absolutely lovely chap. Not only because he sings first tenor, um, but he is just genuinely very very nice. Um, he was he was quite well oiled at this stage, and one was looking for something to <laughs> very uh, greasy, very oiled yeah. up. He was looking for something to. Uh, to brighten the night and add a bit of kind of spice um, and drama. And <laughs> what he decided to do um, was the, the way that, let me paint the scene. I'm going to paint a, paint a picture with my words. Um, he, the, as you walked into the club, you go up a flight of stairs and you'd go into the, le- the floor that's called Pop World, which is a terrible, terrible place. Um, but anyway, this is you where the cheeky girls were. Yeah, um, this is where the cheeky girls were, and they brought in some barriers. So they had like a cordoned-off area where they were going to be, because obviously they don't just sing; they dance as well and kind of skip about, not wearing much at all. And it's all just very awkward because they're now really old, and it's just hilarious. <laughs> anyway, how, how old are the cheeky? I swear they're not really old. Well, they're really old from what you remember, because I think they're thirty-five. They are. Uh, hang on. How old are they? <laughs> they were born in 1982. Yeah, they're 35. Yeah. You're quite right. Um, and when they did their videos, they would have been like barely legal, I guess, or like just <laughs> 20. Um, anyway, so they were, to all intents and purposes, old. Um, and uh, they were dancing behind these barriers and they had their kind of pom-poms and things and were kind of getting the crowd going. The crowd being about 12 people because no one, all of the fresh who came in this year probably don't know who the Cheeky Girls are. Um, Enter our lubed up friend. <laughs> yeah, Luke was standing behind these barriers thinking, yeah, I know exactly what I needed to do. And all I can do, he, he Leroy Jenkins into this <laughs> into this barrier area. He just jumped over the barriers and went straight in and had a dance for about three seconds. Uh, and then was immediately, much like if you tried to assassinate a president, was taken out by bouncers, just completely dropped to the floor, like t- literally tossed over the bat, like the barriers headfirst, and promptly escorted and thrown out of the the um, uh, the, the club immediately. Um, and it was just the the greatest thing I think I've ever seen. Um, it was just amazing. He did an incredible job, and we're all ama- I'm I'm proud to call him a friend. Wow, a, a, yeah. a top top lad. Anyway, top lad. top lad for nearly assaulting the cheeky girls. Yeah. Um. Anyway, this is Correspondence Corner. I just can't believe you hadn't mentioned that yet. Um. Especially seeing as you teased it at the start. Um. Right. So uh, we haven't looked for our emails for a while. So let's have a quick whisk through. Kicking off with, uh, Will Il- Il- Will 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 Simon is resetting. Wow. Will Remix. Uh, has emailed us uh, with the email November date thing. Messes Moore and Clark. 
Thank you. Uh, yes, to a meetup in November and make it Sunday because group even song trip. So this was your suggestion that you are in London, aren't you? Absolutely. Uh, and this isn't the only one. Hecking Ruddy George has also emailed. So marvelous. I, I feel like this could be a thing. Uh, uh, you know that 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 this could genuinely happen. Um, uh, Will, Will is basically saying, in all seriousness, you guys have made my final year of A levels much more bearable, and especially meeting Simon up in Edinburgh. Oh, I remember you. Yeah, you were at the Dark Matter talk. Yes, um, and you were. It was a highlight of your eight-month readership of the Wikicast. Thanks oh, for all the fabulous choral content. Choral corner, perhaps. Oh, I like it. I we like have, it. We could have Dan's choral corner for what you've been singing that week. Yeah, my favourite piece fun. of the week. Uh, and then best, best will, age 18, pi squared over 11 years. Now, there's a problem with... Oh, I suppose your age is always irrational anyway. Unless you're approximating it. In which case, well done. That's, mm. I like it. It's unconventional, but I like it. We have an email here from Connor Levers saying, Dear Messrs. Clark and Moore, regarding you. your inquiry uh, during the most recent Wikicast, namely episode 40, one would like to inform the four stated... Uh, of Connor Lever's enthusiasm, willingness for physical interaction amongst many of the followers and leaders of our great fandom within the capital of our glorious empire during the 18th or 19th rotation of the Earth around the suns of the first cent year of the third killer year. Oh, Oxford comma. Oxford comma, Connor, come on. May the feline armies conquer all who proclaim the canine breed superior. Your ever-faithful patron benefactor and lad of the highest esteem, Mr. Connor, pull the, le- pull the lever levers. <laughs> Age 21.745205479, Orbits of the Sun. I was so in that that I did not get a, a single idea about what it was about. No, I I don't know either. Thanks, Connor. <laughs> Jolly good. Next up, we have uh, an email from Matt Butler. And the subject line gri- grabbed me for this one because uh, the subject line is, I make, parentheses, made, climate change youtube videos in powerpoint so this is oh related God. to yeah. when we found out the tears he makes his million view getting videos like hey, he's such a hot channel right now in motherfucking powerpoint um so this should be good dear messrs clark and more only in this order because i found simon first quite right fair enough fair long-term enough. listener first time corresponder i listened mm. to your most recent wikicast while doing things around the house as i always do i too do things around the house and thought i should finally get in touch to let you know about my powerpoint project mm. my youtube videos were inspired by the wikicast in two ways firstly listening to your podcast maybe want to do something excellent and secondly i love watching simon's videos especially those on climate change excellent again the animations were made in powerpoint and exported to video which always takes ages as they were such huge files i yeah. record audio on my phone using the sock uh, using a sock as a pop filter the audio is processed in audacity and then, so wait you've got like the jankiest setup and then Holy audacity shit. comes in oh no that's what was the that really one. hang on what was that really 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 comically crap robot on robot wars that would always break us when we watch the episodes uh, nuts oh or the one made of wood i can't remember the name of the one made of wood. oh the one made of wood amazing <laughs> then, uh the audio is processed in audacity and then combined with the animations in iMovie or my girlfriend's laptop this is amazingly janky i love it i had matt, nobody this is at incredible. all but didn't let this stop me and for that i am proud as you should be matt i realize Absolutely. that it has been a month since you emailed us but i am proud of you matt that mm. is an amazing feat keep um, doing what you're doing they are uh so hang on 
This entire process cost me nothing, although it took a while and a half. I can imagine. imagine. I've yeah. attached my most recent video. The channel is creatively named Climate Changer below. Though they are far from perfect, I'm actually quite impressed with the progress I've made. I haven't made a video recently as I've been busy with lots of projects and some personal issues, but looking forward to coming back to it. Interestingly, I started the YouTube channel while I was on a year abroad in Melbourne. I normally study yeah. Warwick and love recognizing nice. the names of places Dan mentions. Oh, uh, lovely. Wow, hang on. I'm going to give this a watch right now and report in. Hang on. I'm not going to watch the whole thing because it's eight minutes uh, long, but hang on. Oh, this is this really works. Yeah. I wouldn't have I wouldn't have guessed this was made in PowerPoint. Matt, you have impressed me greatly with this. Yeah, this is really good. Okay, I'm going to stop there, but I will be watching that later and I will almost certainly be tweeting that one out because Mm. Matt, aged 42... Point four two over two. So hang on, does that mean you're yes, you're twenty one and like a month or two old? Clever. Highly, highly impressed. Honestly, that is that is really, really impressive. Well done. We have another email here, incidentally, from Mostyn Taylor, entitled Supermarkets. Righto, chaps. I was listening to the 2001 Space Travesty episode. Wow, that's many moons ago. And I'm livid. This email is regarding your discussion of supermarkets. Dan, how can you say such blasphemous things about the co-op when you live so close to our Lord and Saviour, Penny Road Co-op? Thanks, Moz. I do indeed live near Penny Road Co-op. This is true. Well, no, not anymore. Your nearest uh, supermarket is now Cost Cost Cutters? I mean, I don't. I still oh, live. Oh no! In- sorry, yeah, you still you still live in the same place. Don't yeah. I'll have to cut the name of the uh, the road there. Oh yeah. Um, well, but- actually, I think it might have got away in one of the episodes because I bumped into someone the other day and they said he he like tapped me on the shoulder and said, "Oh hi, are you Dan?" I said, "Yes." Um, he said, "Oh, I listened to the podcast." I was like, "Oh cool," and I was literally passing the co-op, and I think he was a little bit. I'm now I'm going to very very embarrassing because the word starstruck. <laughs> <laughs> but he you, he said you um, self-important I've, bitch <laughs> I've been looking I uh, know I've been looking around and try, uh, and kind of recognising the areas in the videos because I used to watch Simon's videos um, and been trying to work out where you live well, and I was like ah oh. I was like I oh okay I literally show the front of our of, of your house uh, in <clears throat> yeah, one of the is. videos so it's not I wasn't trying very hard but Brilliant. yeah I forgot that you hadn't actually moved yes so yes you are still so close to the co-op and it is a mm. great co-op it is a very good co-op Apparently full of starstruck fans. Yeah, I know. Hilarious. Also, righto, chaps. I was just writing Roman poetry and I yeah. am Livy. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so it's, it could be quite a quick one. Just to, Oh, Pixel Girls come back. Hello. Oh, this is... Uh, oh, this is yeah, you're on headphones. Dan, Dan says, hey, hey, Pixel Girl. Hey, Daniela. He's, oh, yeah, you can hear her. Um, you, was that yoga or a run? I didn't hear you. Yoga. Yoga. Okay, how was it? It was really hot. So I turned the radiators on, and then the lady was like, do you want me to turn the radiators off? And I was like, in my head, yes, please, 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 please turn the radiators off. And everyone was like, no, we like the sweat. You're weird. <laughs> Stunning reporting there from, from Pixel Girl. <laughs> now my legs hurt. <laughs> love you, Dan. No, she doesn't. Love you too. <laughs> he says love you too. I should actually at this point like to point out so I went to yoga with, with Pixel Girl the other day and I, mm. I used to do yoga every week in Oxford in my final year I hadn't been for ages and basically I went to the session and I brought a towel with me mm. and, and a drink because I was like this is going to be tough like I'm I'm not going to find this easy I'm going to bring a towel because I'm probably going to be sweaty and Pixel Girl was just there like oh, god you're not going to need that it's 
you're going to be fine. Cue, like, 30 minutes later, me vibrating. My entire body is vibrating whilst trying to hold a f***ing warrior pose with my hands over my head. Sweat <laughs> is dripping down me, <laughs> pooling on my mat. And, like, I'm just, like, looking with my face, like, shaking, looking at her, being like, yeah? You think this is easy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you glad I brought that towel now? <laughs> Amazing. Um, oh, she's just come back in. That was what happened. Get, get out get out go on get out it's my office we've got an email here from Patrick uh, this email is primarily aimed at Dan uh, and no need to read it out live well Tough tips. congratulations Patrick here we go hello Dan hello Patrick I'm a new exchange student at the University of Exeter and I just arrived in town today you read out my email announcing my acceptance in an episode a few months back oh I remember yeah well congratulations on finally getting here um I was wondering about hearing your choir live, uh, so I'd love to know when your next service is. I was also wondering if you had any quick tips for a new student. Nothing extensive, just anything you reckon would be helpful. Thanks a lot, and I hope the podcast returns soon. Regards, Patrick. Well, the podcast has returned. Um, it's here, right now. Uh, and in regards to hearing the choir live, um, the choir that I used to speak about was the Univer- University of Exeter Chapel Choir or University of Exeter Singers. The easiest way to know when they are singing is to go and find them on Facebook. The Chapel Choir sing at four, five, four, five. 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 We, we had to get there at four. <laughs> five, that's it, yeah. The service begins at five o'clock, so you'd want to get to the chapel. That's the Mary Harris Chapel on, at Exeter University, uh, probably about ten to um, and then you can go and listen to Evensong. That's every Wednesday. Um, if you can't make Wednesdays, well. you can come to the Cathedral Evensong, um, which is at five thirty. Five thirty every so, yeah. day, and at four o'clock on a Sunday. That's five thirty every day and four o'clock on a Sunday. Exeter Cathedral. It's the big church. Um, can't that miss looks it. Like a cathedral. You, you literally can't yeah. miss it. Yeah. The other thing to point out is it is free, completely free, and you don't yes. have to do anything. You don't have to be religious if you want yeah. to hear the choir. That goes for anybody that wants to go and hear them. Um, yeah. You can just sit at the back. No one's going to bother you. We have a lovely chaplain um, this year um, who's taken over at the university chapel. So you'll be very welcome, and you don't have to do a single thing. Absolutely. Well, with that, I am mm. delighted, Daniel. I'm absolutely delighted to announce that we have an email here from Hacking Ready George. Oh my god, here we and go. And it's called Hecking Ruddy Fan Fiction 2, a hecking study in Ruddy Scarlet. Oh, now, gosh. Now, last time, George wrote us a fan fiction based on quotes from yeah. the Discord. Yeah. So this, I don't believe is that. So I'll, I'll read his email and then we'll get on to the fan fiction. He, re- he writes, Dear John and Sherlock, so I made another fan fiction. It's mainly a rip-off of a study in Scarlet. Actually, many parts are just straight up stolen from the book. I don't really know why I made this, to be honest. There probably won't be a chapter two because I don't really know why I made this in the first place. Kind regards. I can't even describe how he's done his signature this time. It's Hecking Ready George in, in yellow Comic, Comic Sans. Sans. And the ecking uh, is in purple highlighter and the Gior of George is in brown highlighter and the start of every word is non-capitalized whereas the rest of the word is capitalized yeah it's basically the most it's classic hecking ruddy george also p.s looking forward to the peer uh, meme peer review video whoever idea that was is genius i said that i'd do it did you hear did you see this by the way i think i did yeah this is Mandela on twitter lawson retweeted me oh my god like i was at sitsy and i remember showing my phone to pixel girl and we were like what the 
fuck just happened? Yeah. Like Nigella Lawson, because I was like joking, like, yeah, if this gets a thousand retweets, I'll do it. And then it like got 500. Um, mm. So it wasn't what I said, but I still would like to do it. It is on my board of video ideas. When I've caught up, I'm working on the Oxcast video at the moment, and I'm going to do a vlog about where I was for two months um, and a few other things. And then that is going to happen, I promise. Anyway. We now have Settle In Down. I hope you're not going to read this along with me. You're going to close that tab because I'm going to read to you A Hecking Study in Ruddy Scarlet by Hecking Ruddy George. Chapter 1. Dr. Simon Clark. In the year 1878, Dan Moore obtained a degree in English literature, after which, though it was not his dream job, he found work as an apprenticed archivist at the Public Record Office on Chancery Lane, London. The apprenticeship at the record office brought promotion to many of his young colleagues, but for him it had nothing but misfortune and disaster. After a review, he was removed from his apprenticeship and instead offered a part-time job as a doorkeeper. <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's all true. I, I wouldn't trust you as an apprentice. Um, on the first day of this job, a crate filled with many pages of records bound together with string fell out of a cab and came crashing down on him. So great was the force, it shattered his shoulder bone and damaged his subclavian artery. Oh no. Moore's physical condition meant that he could no longer continue working at the public record office, and had to hand in his resignation and his keys to the company lodgings. Moore found himself leading what he described as a meaningless existence, staying in hotels as his money steadily ran out. He realised if he wished to stay in London, a city which was admittedly a cesspool, but the only place in England which brought more comfort, he must find someone to share lodgings and split the rent with. The very next day, Moore met with an old university friend of his, Stamford. Quickly enough, the conversation moved on from pleasantries to discussion of Moore's desire to find lodgings and someone to split the rent with. That's a strange thing, remarked Moore's companion. Not just this morning did I have a similar discussion with a fellow who's working at the chemical factory up at the hospital. By Jove! Moore cried. What a fantastic turn of fate. I'm pretty sure I've heard you say that at some point. Probably. I should prefer having a partner to being alone. Young Stamford gave Moore a strange look. You don't know Dr. Simon Clark yet. <laughs> Perhaps you would not care for him as a constant companion. He's a little queer in his ideas, an enthusiast in some branches of He's science. just a little queer, actually. Don't worry about his ideas. Just yeah, generally. It is known. Uh, he's a little queer. In his ideas, and enthusiasm in some branches in science, as far as I know. He's a decent enough fellow. A medical student, I suppose? Moore replied. No, I have no idea what he intends to go in for. Let's just say he has his head in the clouds. Mm. The rest of the evening was spent catching up. Moore and his companion had a merry time. Stamford joked that maybe Moore should have done this drinking tomorrow to prepare himself for meeting Dr. Clark. The following day, Stamford brought Moore to the hospital's chemical laboratory. At the rear end of the lofty chamber stood a tall, broad man tinkering with test tubes, absorbed in his work. Ha! The man shouted as he ran over. I found it! I found it! Adding a heavy metal causes a precipitate to form. Mr. Moore? Dr. Simon Clark, said Stamford, introducing the two men. How are you? he said cordially. You have been in Afghanistan, I perceive. <laughs> here we oh, go. oh, here we I go. See the bit where it's literally just been lifted from. It's <laughs> Sherlock! I, <laughs> you know, George, I doubted you. I wondered where this was going. Um, okay. What? Moore retorted in confusion. I've not been to Afghanistan. I've never even left London. Oh, Clark replied. But he stuttered. 
You look like the medical type. An army doctor, I guess. Your face seems yeah. somewhat dark, not the natural tint of your skin, for your wrists are fair. You look like you've undergone such, some hardship. Your left arm is injured. You hold it in a stiff and unnatural way. So, clearly, I thought you were an army doctor who just come back from Afghanistan. Well, I'm not, Moore replied. I was a doorman for the public records office. <laughs> oh dear, Stamford muttered. He does this a lot. Dr. Clark, do you think you're a detective? Moore inquired. No? Well, maybe. Clark retorted defensively. It's just a hobby, but I'm not really good at it. My real job is a consulting weatherman. <laughs> <laughs> that is literally what you are. <laughs> Holy sh- that sky that sky interview. <laughs> a consulting weatherman. Oh my god, George, I love you. This uh, is the best thing. I don't ever. know why I ever doubted you, George. Consulting weatherman. I should put that on my business cards. Not this again, Stamford side. so great. What does that even mean? Moore asked. People come up to me and ask what the weather is, and I tell them, Clark said enthusiastically. I've told you before, Stamford said sternly, that is not a job. When people ask you about the weather, they're just making conversation. <laughs> it is a job because I tell them what the weather is, and then I take their money. I'm doing a service and then making money, which is the definition of a job, Clark shouted. <laughs> You're a pickpocket, Stamford snapped. I can do what I want, Clark ejaculated. Dan Moore ejaculated. <laughs> End of chapter. Oh, brilliant. Wow. Well done, George. Once again, you've emailed in just complete bloody drivel, and it's marvellous. Oh, God. It's like anti-content. Well, Dan, what have we learned this episode? Well, Simon, we started, as you may have expected, with the women's liberation movement in Europe. Ah, yes. Uh, uh, <laughs> as is tradition. Yeah, and we learned that it's about 36 pages long. Uh, started in the late 1960s and continued through the 1970s and in some cases into the early 1980s. Uh, it's just inordinately long and we tried to have a brief discussion about it. But, um, but it was overwhelming. It was it's overwhelming just too levels of feminism. So we then we skipped on over to to uh, Critics Corner where, where I spoke about uh, a multitude of different things I've been watching. Well, we've, both, um, we've both been doing a lot and I felt like we have held back on splurging about what we've been doing yeah um, we've been but, we've been restrained yeah um, we have been restrained yes you talked about the cathedral stuff i talked about uh-huh. dnd i talked about yes. um dr atomic which everybody must listen to yeah um you've been watching some films uh and then in crisis corner we actually i think had some useful advice for once i um, think so yeah you know about making friends as an adult and then quite quite a, a, a brisk clop clip clop snip snop spit spot through correspondence corner Absolutely. And then a, a hecking ruddy fan fiction. Bloody uh, marvellous. If anybody would like to send us a fan fiction and they think they can do better than hecking ruddy George or would like to write one about me and Warhammer 40,000. If you think you can write one better, you're wrong. <laughs> yes. I mean, that goes without saying. Unless uh, it's going to be fantasy themed, in which case you're probably going to, it's probably going to be great because I'll just giggle like an excited or child. Or it's a Robot Wars themed fan fiction. Ooh, yes. Where either Dan and I are roboteers or we're sentient robots. I think sentient robots is the way forward. Maybe okay. I, for one, welcome our new overlords. <laughs> That's all for this week's episode. Don't forget to subscribe to us on your podcasting service of choice. You can like us on Facebook, and if you'd like to see our faces, check out our YouTube channel, Spongy and Electric. Feminist novel recommendations, Ready Player One reviews, and other thoughts on the show can be sent to us at spongyelectric at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Join us again for another tumble down the wiki rabbit hole. And we'll see, see you, you next, next time. time. I kind of forgot that this was a podcast, not just me chatting to you, and I did do quite a massive fart. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
<laughs> and I, I, I want to know whether well, the mic. Well, I want to know we whether found the, we found yeah. the thing to close out the episode. Oh no! I, I, well, well, I, just yeah. I mean, it felt brilliant, but I just want to know whether the mic picked it up, and if it did. Well, well, dear readers, free. if if that microphone did pick it up, you're about to hear it five times, one <laughs> in a row. Yeah. Enjoy. Brilliant.